0: Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing.
1: Very, very thankful to be here. Like James said, my name is Sean Vance. My wife is Jerry, and uh, she is somewhere and supposed to be making her way here. Uh, But we're we're sitting out of Decatur, Baptist Church Decatur, Alabama. Uh, We have two children, Our, our daughter Selena is 16 years old, right on time. That's not my daughter. That's my wife, Jerry. She looks like she's 16, but she's really older than 16. Older than 16. I didn't see how old she was. Although Kel did group me into being in the old group of people. He said I was old, and, uh, and Jerry's just a few years younger than me, so Kel called you old Jerry. So. <laughs> um, we have two children. Our daughter, Selena, is, is 16. She'll turn 17 in February, uh, and our son, Micaiah, is, is 14 years old, and they, they didn't make it with us here. They're in Alabama with, with their grandmother, and we've been in Kenya for about five years now. Uh, we're thankful to be able to share. Uh, it's been really a great last few days. Uh, If you've been in the other sessions, you've heard the same things I have and it's really neat to to hear stories from everybody else. I've enjoyed hearing Mike speak and and just sharing about the process of God sending them to to Boston and the different things that God did in their lives and and I really enjoyed hearing Jeff Bartell speak. Uh, Jeff, I'm glad Jeff isn't here because I can talk about him more and not not feel scared about what I say in front of him. but we're from the same sending church as as Jeff was sent out of. And by the time that I was attending that church, Jeff was already sent and on the field to Albania. And so it was neat to get to hear some of the things that he had to say, things that I'd never heard before and things that I didn't know about him. But it's been a really good last few days and I'm honored to be able to close out this session. And just like everyone else, feel free to ask any questions that you may want to ask. Feel free to interrupt, uh, except for Brian Collins. Uh, he's not allowed to, we already discussed that. I just want to make sure everyone hears that Brian's not. Uh, feel free to, to speak up, Brian. Um, but uh, 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 one thing that Jeff said on the panel, maybe it was yesterday, but he said that the process is the process is the process. Uh, it's the same for everybody, just the details are a little different. And so it's been really encouraging for me Uh, just knowing what God did did in our lives and preparing us to go to Kenya and being in Kenya, uh, how some of those details are are similar. It it is really helpful for me to know that I'm not the only one that God said no to a lot. And if if you took notes on all those things that that might give us about the no's that God gives to us, I think I've experienced every single one of those no's. So those things really hit home. Um, And also I'm thankful that, you know, Jeff... If you've ever heard Jeff, Jeff always says that he's weird. He was the weird guy, and uh, I agree with that. Jeff is weird. <laughs> but I'm thankful that Jeff says things like that because uh, I, I, I'm a weird person. My family, my family, Jerry and my kids, they're much weirder than I am. And I tell my kids all the time, you're really weird, and they say, but no, you're weird. I, say, well, I know that I'm weird, but you're really weird. Uh, and so I'm glad that Jeff says that. I'm glad that it has. The, the Honesty Conference, uh, because it, it's good to be real with everyone and, and, and to share difficult things that happen, as well as um, the good things that happen. And so while, while Kel was speaking the other day, I did jot down quite a few things as he was talking about preparing his family to go to the field. And, and uh, you know, if I could have interjected on every one of those points and given amen, I would have. Uh, and so it, it's just been really good. I'm thankful for everything that we've learned. Uh, so today, I, I really want to share with you, just kind of give a testimony of our experience of preparing to go to Kenya, some of the things that God did in our lives, but mainly look at an internship that we did before. We were missionaries as we were doing our internship, but before we actually uh, officially on the field as, as missionaries. Uh, and so what I would like to do, uh, you know, I really want to encourage you to consider if, if you're going, considering mission considering going out to some place in the United States or foreign country Consider doing an internship because the things that we experienced during our two years as interns in Kenya working under senior missionaries, they really proved vital in what we experience today as missionaries in Kenya. Uh, we never would have imagined where God would have us today serving in Kenya. Uh, the things that we experience, the things that we're in charge of basically. But that internship for vital and, and preparing us for that. And so before we get to that, I, I do want to uh, just share a little bit about about myself to you all, if that's okay. Uh, because again, uh, uh, I never would imagine God would allow me my family to be missionaries. I was born and raised in East Tennessee. I had quite a few bad things happen in my life when I was younger. Uh, my mother died when I was young. I, uh, I didn't know who my biological father was until 2019, and uh, I was abused by a couple different family members growing up, so by the time I was a teenager, I hated life, uh, I hated myself. Uh, I'd been to church some, I'd heard that God loved me, I'd heard the gospel many times, I rejected it, and um, I really struggled with life. When I was 19 years old, I went to visit my sister in Decatur, Alabama and uh, I went to church with her. Um, the gospel was, was presented. Again, I'd, I'd heard a clear presentation of the gospel many times, uh, but something something was just different that time. Uh, I tried many different things as a teenager to bring peace and joy in my life, and nothing ever brought peace and joy. And so uh, the night that I sur- surrendered my life to Christ, I remember being in the shower knowing that I was going to church and thinking, all right, tonight, tonight is the night you're going to get saved. I was actually thinking away ways, how can I get out of going to church while standing in the shower getting ready for church? Uh, but of course I went to church and, and an invitation was given and I surrendered my life to Christ. And, and uh, that was what I was looking for. That's what brought peace and joy to my life and I'm very thankful for that. Um, I moved to Alabama later that summer, I started attending Decatur Baptist Church. Uh, I was discipled, I took different girl classes that we had at church That's where I met my wife, Jerry. We were growing in the ministry of catered out of products of our local church. Uh, from the time that I was a young Christian, God began, you know, giving me a heart for foreign missions. Uh, as a young Christian, the very first missions conference I attended, I, I really can't ex- explain the things that that I felt. But uh, I just remember seeing these missionaries and, and thinking, "Wow, it's, it's amazing that." God uses someone to go around the world, out in Africa, and spread the gospel. And I began thinking to myself, I wonder if that's something that God may do in my life. And uh, I really struggled with it. Remember every missions conference, I would feel encouraged, like God was maybe calling me to be a missionary, Uh, but then I would start thinking in my head, well, what about all these things that you've done in your life? Yes, you're saved. Yes, you believe God loves you. Yes, your sins are forgiven. But... Can God really use someone that did the things that you used to do? Can God really use someone that thinks the way that, that you still think, even as a Christian? And that would kind of turn me away from, from seeking God about missions. And then there were missionaries that I met that, I some of them, they were pretty intimidating people that first missions conference i was at many of you probably know who bobby bonner is Uh, he was a professional baseball player surrendered his life to go to zambia africa missionary there and the very first missions conference i was at i remember spending time around bobby bobby sharing stories about being out in the bush in zambia and he started talking about demon possessed people these demon possessed people Telling other people out loud what other people's sins were—just crazy stories—and I started thinking, I'm never going to go any place where I might encounter that. There's no way I'm going to go some place where some crazy demon-possessed person may start naming my sins in front of other people. And so Bobby was intimidating to me. I remember the first time that that I heard Jeff Bartell preach, and I remember thinking, wow, How do you get to the point where you're able to? teach the Bible like that. Because Jeff, I mean, Jeff was intimidating to me. It's good to know after spending time with Jeff that he's just a big goofball like everybody else. But, <laughs> uh, but I saw these missionaries. They seemed like very, very uh, outgoing, very charismatic people. And I remember thinking if, if that's what it means to be a missionary, that, that's not me. Uh, because I much prefer to, to sit in the corner somewhere and be quiet and never speak up. And so those are things that that I struggled with, thinking that God couldn't possibly use someone like me. Um, And again, every year at Missions Conference, God seems like I would get excited. Then I would remind myself of really how lowly I was. Really struggled with myself and different things like that. Uh, But I'm thankful that God worked different things in my life to uh, change my thought process. It it took me a while to realize who I actually was in Christ. Mm -hmm. My self-worth had nothing to do with. Me or my flesh, but it had to do with my identity in Christ. I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And so, I first went to Kenya on a mission trip in 2007. I went for selfish reasons. My wife, Jerry, she had been on a trip to Honduras that summer, and and I kind of said, "Well, you got to go on a trip somewhere, so I get to go somewhere." Kenya was the first trip that that was available to sign up for. So I went on that trip. Uh, I met missionaries there that our church has supported for many years. Their name were Randy and Phyllis Sturwell, and um, it was different than any other trip I've been. on. I've been on different, different fields. I've been to Mexico, the Dominican Republic, another in country missions trips. And, uh, and I don't know if you've been on a missions trip before. You come back and you think, "Man, I got to go back to that place someday. I need to go see that again. I can't wait till I get to go back to that place." Um, but that desire for me always wore off after a few months. So you get back to life. You get back. To to your job and everything else, that desire wore off, but that was different with Kenya. Uh, coming back from Kenya, even a year later, every day I would remember those people that I met, the faces that I saw, the smells that I smelled, and I would pray every day for the people of Kenya. And so God kept that desire in my heart. Uh, our family, we were able to to, to go back to Kenya in, in 2010. And we spent a month there with those missionaries, and uh, after we came back from that one month trip, we just knew that God was calling us to Kenya. We began trying to work out our own plan to return to Kenya. And um, without sharing too many details, I mean, we, we, we were struggling financially. I had quite a bit of student loan debt, but we knew, hey, if this needs to be taken care of before we can go to Kenya. But we really started trying to, to come up with our plan, own plan for going to Kenya. I remember meeting with our pastor Mm-hmm. Uh, and saying, we feel God's called us to go to Kenya. What, what do we need to do? And uh, had a short conversation with him, and then I didn't get really any answers on what we needed to do. Uh, we went to another pastor on staff at our church and met with him a couple of times and really felt like we didn't get a lot of guidance or direction to what we needed to do. Uh, and so, again, back to Mike telling us about God's knows that really... Really, God used that to encourage me and to remind me that it wasn't the fault of, of our pastor or the staff. It was really God saying to us, no, at that time. That there were some things he needed to work out in our lives to prepare us to go to Kenya. Uh, but we, we did get frustrated, and uh, we found that we were looking so far ahead being missionaries of Kenya, but that consumed our thoughts. It consumed everything that we talked about or, or wanted to do, and we were missing what God had right in front of us in the alabama and so god finally brought us to the point to where we stopped praying about ever going to kenya uh, we thought god obviously we, we made a mistake you didn't call us to kenya but what do you want us to do right here where we are and so god showed us where he wanted us to evolve we began serving in the ministry we were already involved in god really used that ministry as a tool in our lives to do some things that he needed to do to prepare us for going. Uh, anytime that I, we would pray about going to Kenya, God would always take me to Psalms chapter 27, especially verse 14, it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, strengthen your heart, wait, I say, i So it seemed like the only thing that I ever noticed was that part, wait on the Lord. And then uh, it just so happens that uh, we began seriously seeking the Lord about things he was doing in our lives. Uh, really felt God was calling us into full time ministry. And um I began praying uh, on Thursday nights at our church with one of our staff pastors. I uh, began praying with Lee Carter. Who he was sitting back here <laughs> on staff at our church at that time. And we began meeting Thursday nights at the church and just praying. And we'd come together, we would share what God was doing in our lives, encourage one another, we may kind of go our separate ways in, in the in the sanctuary and to seek the Lord on our own and and uh, asking God to reveal himself. And that was really a time of learning to hear the Lord speaking back to me. It was during one of those nights that we were praying that God took me back to Psalms 27. And uh, and he took me back to that verse 14. And again, it says, wait on the Lord, be up your courage, he shall strengthen your heart. And that's the part that jumped out to me. So all the different frustrations that we had with thinking that we needed to prepare for Kenya, you know, God just revealed to me that time was a time of me strengthening your heart. Because had we gone to Kenya on our own plan, we would have felt miserably uh, because it was our plan and not the Lord's. And so that I was just reminded of that. And it was God strengthening our hearts. And so I think you've heard a, a couple of times from different people about preparing to to go anywhere your leadership should be involved in that uh, at that time I, I wasn't prepared to share these things with, with my pastor or our leadership uh, we again were working on our own plan and we thought seriously we were going to move away to, to the state of georgia and join uh, another group and spend some time at that church and go out on deputation to them and, and god again used Lee's wisdom and said, have you talked? Uh, have you talked to the pastor about this? But, uh, I wasn't really planning on it. So, well, you probably should just as a courtesy to him anyway. So, I'm thankful that I listened to that advice. I went and I spoke with our pastor, and and I remember sitting with him uh, at a restaurant, and I had a, this piece of paper with bolded points on it of different things that this is what God is. We feel God's asked us to do. Uh, we feel like we need to accomplish this. We feel like we need to work with those missionaries that are on the field while they're there. And uh, we feel like the the process to do that is go to a different church. And uh, I was speaking for a few minutes and my pastor stopped me and he said, well, why would you spend this time going, joining the church people you don't know? You have to spend time serving in the ministry there. You're gonna spend two years on deputation probably. You told me you feel like you need to be there working under these missionaries. Why would you do that when we can just send you out and uh, the very next bulleted point on my list it says we would love nothing more than to be sent out by catered out church and uh so very thankful that 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 I, I listened to that advice and i talked to my leadership so let me encourage you, to, you know, feel like god's calling you to do anything in your life to involve the leadership that's around you there's a reason why they're there uh, there's a reason why God has put that structure in place. So let me encourage you to do that. And so, uh, as I was sitting there talking to my pastor, he began just jotting things down on a piece of paper, and it really became real for us. We started writing out things. Well, if the church can support you at this amount, you won't have to go raise any support. We'll just send you to we'll provide your living expenses. You can do an internship. And then the plan for us to go was to go for one year and come back and raise permanent support then return to Kenya to work for those missionaries and so so that's what we did um things worked out a little differently Kenya was having an election the year that we planned on going we had to wait until 2017 to go Um, but we we started getting ready in that year we sold our house we quit our jobs Uh, I was working in hospital in the IT department as an analyst. My wife, Jerry, was an ER nurse at a different hospital. And so we, we knew, that confirmed in their lives, he was calling us uh, to Kenya. Uh, and so we we did that. We, we sold everything. We packed up the few belongings that we had. We put it in storage at Jerry's Jerry's mother's place and uh, got on the plane and, and went to Kenya, uh, which uh, Several of you have done that before, left your lives behind to, to go. That's that's really a uh, I don't know how to describe that feeling. I remember when we landed in Nairobi. Most flights going into to Kenya land late at night. So it's always like midnight. And I remember getting off this plane, like a nine hour flight that one was. There was this couple and their kids. They were sitting in front of us, and and they were getting off the plane and they began talking to Jerry. So what are you all doing? They were there. They go on a safari to see the animals and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, what are you doing? How long are you staying here?" And Jerry's like, "We're living here. This is this is our this is our moving day. We're moving to Kenya." And I remember the look on their faces oh, I'm just looking at us like crazy. We're just coming here to see the lions. <laughs> we're going to live where they are. But, um, I can't describe that feeling, but it was also a bit of a relief to know that we were doing an internship was one thing that our pastor told us before we went that there was no pressure on us it was an internship we were really going to confirm god's call on our lives to go to kenya and if if we got there we spent a year there and we determined that it really wasn't god's call on our life there was no pressure for us when to come home and not go out and raise support and just to continue being involved in the church until we found where god wanted us um, but we already knew God was calling us there. We, we went prepared to spend the rest of our lives in Kenya. Uh, and so that one-year internship, it actually turned into two years. Uh, we conspired with those senior missionaries, Randy and Phyllis, uh, before we ever left that we were going to ask to stay two years. Uh, and so about a couple months in, I sent a pastor a message, and I said, hey, do you think we may be able to work it out to stay two years? And he was like, well, go, go another three months. Let's see where you're at in six months, and if you think things are so long, we'll, uh, we'll look at that. Uh, I think that committing to a one-year internship was a good thing. Again, on the advice of our pastor, he told us that if you are there six months and you absolutely hate it, uh, then it's easy to survive another six months and just come home, but uh, you have to look at going another 18 months after experiencing six months of not good things, then it's going to be very difficult to and, and, and so I'm glad that he suggested that. And so we spend a lot of time with those missionaries that are there, uh, with Randy and Phyllis. That internship really, again, provided very important for what we do today, but it also allowed us to experience things without the pressure of being a senior missionary on the field. We did things like uh, spending time with pastors. Uh, again, I spent a lot of time with Randy, having conversations with him, seeking his wisdom. But he always encouraged us to spend time with kenyans Uh, and so that's what we did we had the opportunity Uh, i didn't go we didn't go to church with randy and phyllis we went to church with uh, one of our kenyan pastors and spent a lot of time with them and their churches in their homes they really helped us to build relationships we did things we spent about 10 months in language school learning swahili uh, with a private teacher Uh, that's something that if we had not grown in that internship capacity would have been very difficult for us to do but really helped us to get a good grasp of, of Swahili and, and the grammar and things like that. We learned to do things like how to drive a vehicle. Uh, Kansas City I don't think Kansas City is bad at all. There's some crazy people that do weird stuff. <laughs> uh, Kansas City is very mild compared to driving, especially in Nairobi, uh, but, but we learned how to drive there, we learned how to drive on the wrong side of the road, and, and um, I, I don't know if you ever heard the term Sunday Sunday afternoon drive. I don't know if people say that anymore. Maybe older people say that. Kelly, no, you don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> But there's no such thing as just going out for a nice Sunday afternoon drive, enjoying the scenery. Because there's always people, there's always motorcycles, there's always animals, there's always kids, there's always other vehicles, and uh, there's no such thing as having a nice quiet drive in Kenya. So we learned those things, we learned how to, to pay our bills. We learn culture of Kenya. Culture is also very different. It's just different when you have to go pay your rent and you play musical chairs at the bank. There's a line of chairs and you sit in the empty chair and when someone gets to go up to the teller, you scoot over to the next chair. And if you don't move, someone's tapping you on the shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) to But it's a bit frustrating at times to have to spend an hour in the line at the bank just to pay your rent. And then after you pay your rent, you have to take your receipt to your landlord so it gave us an opportunity to learn culture and things like that uh it was also very important for i mean if you talk to jerry and you ask her questions uh, she can share her testimony about going uh, that experience but it was also played an important role in her adjusting to life away from america because again jerry had always worked outside of her home uh, for the most part since we've been married she loved her job as an er nurse that was her dream job and all of a sudden she's going to kenya she's a stay-at-home mom she's a a homeschool teacher she's taking care of her house Um, she's having to wash clothes by hand anyone ever wash clothes by hand that's uh that happened for about 10 months until we finally got a washer but that still pops up in our Facebook memories.
2: That was a good day. No <laughs>
1: but we learned those things. But for for Jerry, you know, she'd always been outside the home. And all of a sudden, uh, her world completed. I'm thankful for Jerry because she's always been willing to do whatever the Lord has called us and asked us to do. But but she did struggle with, with that transition. And uh, because I was always doing ministry things. I was going out with our pastor's house, going to Bible school, traveling around the country. She was most of the time always at home with our kids. I think the important thing to remember is that um, when you're in ministry and you have children, your your children are a big part of your ministry. They're a priority in your ministry. So we went there understanding that our children, her number one ministry would be our children uh, but really, she, she wanted to find her own place in ministry there. And she just began praying for God to, to open doors for her to be involved in different things that wouldn't take away from her uh, in our home and the things that she was there doing. And, of course, God did that. Uh, he, he allowed her to get involved with, with some of the pastor's wives and build relationships with them uh, and different things like that. And, again, this all happened uh, in an internship. <laughs> where we didn't have the pressures that that senior missionary Randy did looking after everything, You give us time. I think Kel mentioned this when they first went to Hungary. <laughs> and, and I remember having a conversation with Kel about, uh, about this. Uh, just uh, his desire to get out and do ministry. And he's doing language school and these other things that you know you really want to feel like, I wish we could hurry up and get this over. I wish I could just speak the language so, so I can get to work. Uh, but that gave us time to, like Kel said, sit at the feet of Jesus. That was our, our main goal, was to learn culture, build relationships, learn Swahili. And that time allowed us to do that. Uh, I, we're, we're still learning Swahili. We're conversational in Swahili. Uh, I've said two words to Linda. I said, oh, your is really good. <laughs> two words.
2: <laughs> but I, I joke with our pastors a, a lot about, oh, never mind. I'll, I'll tell you that story later. <laughs> it's not
1: important. But, um, man, if I could wake up tomorrow and know Swahili, that would be incredible. Yeah. But, but we're, we're still learning Swahili, and again, that gave us time to do that. Um, through through that, that period of time from 2010 to 2017 when we left, God really worked out some things in my life with feeling who I was in Christ. Uh, again, those those missionaries that I met that I was intimidated by, I remember being in Mexico uh, with a missionary there. and We were out showing the Jesus film in the park, and uh, there was this drunk guy that kept causing interruptions, and, and the missionary grabbed me and said, Come with me. You don't have to say anything. Just stand there. And Then I, I followed him, and then, I mean just chewing this guy out uh, he has his finger poking him in his chest and everything else and he just wanted me standing there i guess because i was a big guy and i remember thinking okay, that's what you have to do with bmhj that's not me either. <laughs> but there was something different when when we met randy and phyllis in kenya randy uh, really became someone that i could relate to because randy was a normal person me. He was by far normal. He was an ordinary person. There was nothing spectacular about Randy. Uh, there's a story that our pastor Joe McEgg tells. The first, one of the first times that Randy came to Decatur Baptist for missions conference, he was scheduled to be a uh, student ministry. And Joe, just hanging around Randy for a little bit, went with, with our pastor and, and Pastor Doug at the time, and said, "You can't have him with the students. So put him somewhere." Not really knowing who Randy was, because Randy wasn't outspoken. He wasn't charismatic. He was just a quiet, calm person. But he loved the Lord. Man, he was—he was a great teacher, Mark Trotter. But the the keys of Bible study talks about the key of David and someone that's able to easily teach the difficult doctrines of God's Word. Randy was somebody that could do that. But spending that time with Randy and just knowing that God can use someone like Randy he can use someone like me um and so we're, we're very thinking again those are things that would have been very difficult for for us today had we not been able to do that uh, and so really God used that time to help us find our place in ministry uh, there was already kind of a, a, a tentative plan in place for Randy and Phyllis to retire as missionaries in Kenya uh, you know, we were praying about are we the ones to step into that role and kind of see things on into the future. Uh, in 2019, we finished our internship in 2019. We came back to the States. Brandon Fields came back just a few months before us, just for a short furlough for, for themselves. And Randy was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, uh, he passed away in April 2020. And so, without those two years in Kenya, there was no transition. Uh, over to us today. So really that two years was our transition. We didn't know it at the time, but that internship allowed us to build relationships uh, with the Kenyans that that are in our ministry. It allowed them to be, uh, to accept us as the missionaries that are there leading things. Uh, So again, that that played a very vital role in that. uh, Had had we went to Georgia, uh, that would have been at least four years of our lives that, that we spent there. Randy died in 2020, so uh, we would have never been able to spend time with Randy and and Bill during that couple of years. And so that brings us today. uh, We're overseeing that ministry of about 300 churches and eight Bible school locations. I'm the I'm the administrator of all eight of those Bible schools, uh, which is really weird to look back because that this year is something that that I dislike doing very much. I don't like standing in front of people and talking. Uh, but that's part of something that, that I now do almost every day in Kenya. Uh, really, again, that internship played a, a vital ro- role in that. There's a lot of things that, that those two years prepared us for that we have no idea how we would handle them today. I never imagined the things that, that we deal with on a daily basis Um, that if God had not strengthened our hearts, especially during that internship, uh, that we would not be prepared for today. I never imagined me uh, dealing with different things in in our churches. I've never served as a role as a pastor in our church before. I've always been involved in ministry. I've led a couple different ministries. I've never served in the role of the pastor, and uh, that, that call to so being a missionary there uh, the call to work with those pastors um, really been difficult for me to accept saying that I'm a pastor of pastors uh, but really that's what God has called me to do I'm shepherding these pastors and uh, just the preparation for for following God's plan and getting to there had we followed our own plan uh, we would have fell uh, You know, I could talk probably for hours about the difficulties that we deal with people come to us uh, whether it's physical needs of their families or dealing with sin and with pastors and different things like that. that it's far beyond anything that I, I ever thought that we would be dealing with. Um, I think uh, and maybe again, it's a Mark Trotter book somewhere. Uh, he talks about if Paul had known all the things that he would face mm-hmm. when he surrendered mm-hmm. on the Damascus Road, would he have? surrendered his life to Christ. That pops up in my, in my mind a lot, since we're being honest. Uh, had we known everything that we had faced today when we surrendered to go to Kenya, you know that, wouldn't we ever even have gone to that internship? Uh, more than likely, lack answer answers, no. But we know things are going to be difficult. And our main desire is to be obedient to the Lord, to be obedient to his calling, regardless of what comes in our way regardless of how difficult things are. We want to be obedient to him. Uh, and so that's that's what we decided to do to do. Uh, really fast. So we'll give you an opportunity if, if you have any questions about anything. Yes. So your, your ministry sounds really unique there as far as the churches and the Bible schools. Are those churches autonomous and self-sufficient or how does that work? So the majority of those churches are. Uh, they're all independent. Uh, they, they all have their own pastors or churches. They do work in groups of fellowships based on their location. Uh, we, we do not individually you know, support or fund any of those churches. And so today, because of the foundation that God used, Randy delayed the training that's been there. Uh, we we have churches that have planted churches that have planted churches. There's 300 churches there because there there are people that have really grasped God's word and, and understand the mission uh, of winning people to the Lord and, and, and raising them up spiritually. And so they're they're independent.
3: Shop
0: with the internship things, so there's a lot of younger guys in their early 20s who are like, Yeah, internship, but it's like pretty synonymous with like college age. Was it weird for you as a grown man with the vocation of white kids and submitting to like, Hey, you're gonna go be an intern? Like, was there any like pride or anything there where you're like, I oh, was an old person? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <a grown>
1: <laughs> uh, so, uh, it was funny, I'll get back to that. But the question was asked by Nate uh, about preparing
3: when you're later
1: in life. And then Nate says he's 35. 35 is not old. So I was 39 when, when we left for Kenyon, 44 now. Uh, And it, it really was, for me it was not. Because I knew without a doubt this is what God was doing in our life. Uh, I built a relationship with Randy. I was always uh, willing to, to listen to whatever advice he gave. Like that. But, uh, one thing that I did learn that Randy stressed a lot—that many people, many wise people ministry stressed is uh, if you want to be successful and in internship or any or growing, you need to remain teachable. Uh, and so, uh, Randy. <laughs> He did a couple of times suggest that to me, just to remain teachable, to remain humble, be willing to, to take criticism, be willing to listen advice from, some, from someone and take that advice to heart. Uh, but he said it a lot about our pastors. I'm sure he was kind of passively directing it towards me. But we had come across you know, a pastor or someone in ministry that wasn't very fun to work with. And he would always say, well, this person is not teachable. Just, just pray for them to become teachable. Or, or God's not going to, them to be something. I think, regardless of your age, it's easier when you're younger. But regardless of your age, whether you're 35, 39, 20, just remain teachable. Just be willing to submit to your authority. Because you're still, I mean, you're still under the authority of First Bible Baptists, right? No, you, they're not around you. They don't see your everyday life, your shoulder there for you,
3: but
2: uh, I don't I found this on
3: the web. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: so um, when, when we were trying to develop our own plan for going to Kenya, I realize we're missing God had in front of us. We were already involved in the ministry at our church, uh, working in a recovery ministry, working with teenagers. And uh, God opened the door to, uh, through that ministry, really using that process to, to reveal who I was to him. Uh, I'm no longer worried today about facing a demon possessed person, uh, because I know that my sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter. Female, or anyone, things. Uh, and God really used that again to strengthen our hearts. To, to, the process of going through that, uh, letting Him strengthen our hearts. Uh, I had a very difficult time early on talking in front of me. God, just orchestrated things in our lives. My, my job, uh, I ended up again being a, a clinical analyst at a large hospital, and that required me to talk to people that I was more than. I was supporting our hospital's clinical system. So every day you would get angry doctors and nurses and department directors calling, and they're mad at you because they're the one they're talking to. These are types of people I never would've talked to before. And God, again, just through that process, you know, God is used to taking us out of our comfort zone. Because we're, I mean, we love Kenya. Kenya has become, become home to us. Jerry will tell you after she began praying there in Kenya, forgot to provide ministry opportunities that Kenya very quickly became home. And in life in, in America quickly was just in the back of our mind. It's hard to remember what life was like and so really it was a process of just seeking the Lord, allowing him to to deal with specific issues in our lives, allowing Him to places and situations where we were uncomfortable, but to be able to serve him better today. There's
2: definitely times we're uncomfortable. So this is kind of a twofold question.
0: So the first part would be, does your background in IT do you use any of that in your ministry now? And then, second to that, would be, are you vocational in your ministry or are you cult?
1: So IT does not help. That. I don't. I don't know how I ended up in IT. I have no clue about technology, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I ended up. There.
1: And we're uh, we're fully supportive, of being there. Uh, Kenya. is is a unique country in Africa where we have work permits specifically for religious workers, and so that, I'm there on a religious work visa as a teacher. My wife and children—they have dependent passes, so we're not—we're not allowed to, to earn income inside of the country. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so, and I did hear the podcast that you guys did, around I know, obviously, the pace of life in in Africa a the life than the pace of life in the United states. So, I guess what I'm asking is, what insight could you provide? We as Americans to apply maybe to ministry here because I know that we often are so go, 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 go. I know that I need to take uh, time to say no to my things. Well, I just think trying ministry or which is wrong with my things, so that I can actually process what God is Maybe insight you have on uh, the case of life and how we apply it first. Uh,
1: I mean, the of life is definitely different. There's things that you set out to do in Kenya that. This is what I'm going to do today, but you never do it a long time down the road. Uh, and based in America, it's easy for us to see after being out of the country, it's just so fast. Whether you realize that or not, everything moves so fast, just not the cars down the road. Everything. I, I think, you know, it requires, I think what most people have answered, um, seeking the Lord and, and having discernment. Allowing the Lord to give you discernment for those types of things. It's very easy for us even there to get caught up in ministry things, and, and even though the pace is a bit different, there's still tons of stuff that needs to be done. Uh, same for us there. We we had to learn to tell people you no. Know. Uh, I, I remember the missionary was. It wasn't Randy. I mean, it's okay to tell people no. It's okay when people are knocking on your gate. Asking for stuff that doesn't know. I think that's the same here. It's really just finding, finding what the Lord has you doing and following that, being sensitive to, to His living. that answers the question.
3: You mentioned that you had some student one before okay.
1: the U.S., and then you had to tackle that from the talk more about that. Sure. Uh, so I had. Uh, I graduated from a small school in North Alabama, a bachelor's in biology. All it did was help me get that job in IT, I
2: guess. <laughs> 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 uh, and
1: then, and, but uh, yeah, so we struggled with that for a long time. And I saw it, it's really one of the things that God used to, to show us that if we're willing to, to submit to Him and follow His plan, that, he can work miracles in our life. that's really what happened uh it has to do with me working at this hospital when jerry and i were married i worked at a, a high pressure cylinder gas place it was a job that i absolutely hated the company was horrible i get a call at work one day saying hey i'm a recruiter at this hospital would you be interested in coming in for a job interview I didn't fill out an application. It turns out Jerry had filled out an application. For me. <laughs> so I ended up working at this hospital. Worked there for 12 years before we came to Kenya. And uh, this is this was God's the details in our life that God worked out because I'd worked there because it was a good place to work for. Uh, I actually built up a 401k. It was pretty nice, and, uh, and you know God very specifically revealed to us that. Our, our way of taking care of our debt was to cash that out and mm-hmm. what. that's that's not for everyone don't go away sam the missionary says we should out our retirement to pay off all of our debt. But god did several things like that the house we lived in our house for also 12 years that because of our financial struggles we had struggled with maintaining repairs and and it came time to sell our house, and God really performed another miracle in allowing us to make the repairs we needed and
3: get it sold for what we needed.
1: I think with those types of things, it's also very good to, to prepare for those things. The same way that you prepare for going to the field, going through LFBI or whatever, uh, you should be smart about planning financially. We're we're just a testimony of not being smart planning financially, and and, uh, God showed His grace to us. Another
2: question, Brian? You can speak now.
3: Oh. Um, Once you knew that you guys were going, did you start any inventory, like while you were still here before you went, or did you wait?
1: We we wait so we, we knew when we were going to go that, that we needed to learn Swahili. Again, Kenya is unique from other African countries because they are united under <coughs> Swahili language, and English is also a, a national language. So most people do speak English, but we did not start studying Swahili before we left uh, because Swahili and Kenya is very different than the most things that you. If you use Duolingo for Swahili, you're going to learn Tanzanian Swahili, which is very proper Swahili. Which is actually what we were taught. Uh, but there's there's over 40 different tribes in Kenya with different tribal languages, and each one of those tribes bring different slang words, different accents on the Swahili language, and so it was just best for us to learn it. That's something you can pray about. We, we still, we're not fluent in Swahili. We're, we're conversational. We can survive in Kenya. We can hear when people talk about us. So Jerry, Jerry loves going to the open market and buying stuff. And and she, the people there, they always yell out the prices. And, and um, she hears them, they yell in Swahili. And so she walks up and says, how much is this? they automatically tell her an amount is three times higher. (laughs) So she tells them, say, you just said it was this amount. They kind of jump back because she understands that. Uh, But it's our desire to be fluent, because it's our desire to be able to teach God's word in Swahili. Uh, All of our churches are what we call village churches. Uh, All our pastors, the majority of them have not finished high school. Uh, They've had training in our Bible institutes, but their education level is low. When you get on out into the village, uh, there's less people that, that speak English. So there's... I know other people can, can probably concur. There's just something about teaching God's Word to people in a language that they comprehend and truly understand. Uh, so we're still learning. I still use a translator when, when I teach and preach, usually, unless I translate on paper. And so it's improving. We want to be fluent. There's times now when I catch the person translating not saying, what I want them to say, so I'm going to able to catch them and say,
2: that's not
1: <laughs> Is there an accurate version of the Bible in Swahili? Uh, No. There's not a, a King James-based based version. Uh, there's a version that, that's used, it's called Swahili Union Version, uh, and... Uh, that's
3: what the majority of them use, but there's not. Yeah, I should I had you know, opportunities about it, and I've heard a penny back to Nakudo a few years ago and just the culture of like how how does the censorship practically look like in those villages where it takes hours to get to church or jobs, you know, it's just such a different yeah. culture.
1: And so that's that's an area that I think God has us there to look at. Uh, again, God used Rainier Phyllis to build a the great foundation. We we have churches and pastors that do a great job of discipleship, but they don't call it discipleship uh, because to them, discipleship has become lessons that do with their pastor on baptism, salvation, and things. So there's some that actually do a great job of discipleship and mentoring, uh, but that, as a whole, that's an area that. And we're struggling. We're praying that God allows us to be able to improve those things. There's a team from our church coming later this. I guess it's to December, later in 2023. And one of the things that they're going to, to teach at pastors Conference is the cost of discipleship. Just kind of doing a reset on what it means to truly follow Christ. And, um, and that's another area you can pray about.
3: That's something that.
1: People in our ministry grasp the whole importance
3: of discipleship pouring into each other. As far as internships go, um, I you know we're sending annual to India, and we've got a couple other people who are in that team. So usually I hear like the two main things are. Uh, cultural adaptation and language acquisition you know, for, for, you know, during that time. Would you, what would you do? Is there Are there other things you say, in my experience, these are great things to really focus on or to make sure that they're exposed to as far as uh, internships yeah,
1: I think that that's probably two of the biggest things is doing that because uh, it's very important getting acclimated to culture. I know that an otherwise missionary, I think he, he said that. You don't have to live the culture, but it's important to understand the culture. Uh, so that's definitely a big part of it. And then learning a language, whether that's the country you're going to go to serve or it's just an internship, uh, it does help you with learning another language. There was talk about Spanish. You were picking up Spanish the other day. Uh, I served in the Spanish ministry at the Cape of for several years. I learned a lot of Spanish. I never really studied Spanish. And I think now, if I had studied Spanish the way that I studied Swahili, man, I'd be speaking pretty good Spanish. So I think there's, there's something to that. Actually doing a structured study, you can learn a language by being in the context of the culture. But to actually study grammar and things, that helps a lot. Just learning, just learning how to live in, in a different country, a different culture. I'm like Kelsa, yeah. just spending time at the feet of Jesus. Uh, that's, that's really good. I think those are probably two that
3: yeah. are um, You kind of spoke on it a little bit. But as a young, like mid-20s guy, I hear about the opportunities I have. But um, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to build a
1: career. and. With a stable life so giving perspective or passages that you need to for comfort. Yeah, I mean, again, again deciding she is the field field over comfortable life. uh I mean, God has always used Psalms twenty-seven in my life. It's very first first verse, "Lord in my life, salvation shall appear." And I think it just realizing your identity in Christ. God's mission is the same for everyone, right? It commands everyone to go. That doesn't mean you go to foreign country. It doesn't mean you have to leave your career in things. And it's really just seeking the Lord and those details that he has in your life. I had sensed that God wanted us to go to Kenya. I never spent serious time seeking the Lord, especially in prayer that time that I spent with Lee praying I mean that was the key to really discovering what God wanted us to do God really did
2: want us to, to leave our life in America and just to, to and really just seeking him out those
3: that he wants to look back look. because again
1: it's the same for, the mission same for everybody it's just those we can do. So, I, I encourage you if uh,
3: there's leadership in your life, but a person of the cycle, do you, your pastor, or anybody,
1: uh, you just give a them about you know, how, how do I exactly find out those details in my life? What should I be doing? I mean, there's more seasoned,
4: more spiritual people in here than me that may be able to, they want to answer. So with that, we do want to make sure we give, not to take away from Sean, maybe all your questions are for Sean, but we do have other people in the room. We wanted to use a little time here at the end to make sure that we open it up. And especially uh, we're gonna put uh, Jerry on the spot as well. And my wife, Rosie is way in the back. So you hear a lot from the guys. uh, And I know some of you ladies might think, I got a couple questions for the the women too. You can direct questions at them. Uh, We have Kale uh he went with a young family we went with a young family we found out we were pregnant right before we went so we delivered a baby in country that brings new dynamics we have lee carter uh who is as you heard has been uh pastoral oversight over sending missionaries is now in the dominican we have andrew Wong, who's preparing to go to uh vietnam and is you know currently leading a ministry that's growing in vietnam and, and using uh technology to do a lot of work that we couldn't have done a few years ago we have brian collins who's in zambia um i'm missing anyone so there's a lot of voices so yeah you can direct questions broadly or you can direct questions specifically at them and and, and you know, we can all chime in as well one thing that might make it difficult difficult is the only way to record it is to speak into this mic so if you're going to say something that's really good you're going to have to come up here you don't need to do that we don't need to yeah. we got a room mic. yeah hey, oh hallelujah you can talk from where you're at that's all right so there you go yeah lee so the last question what
3: i'm hearing you ask is the difference between an american concept of stability versus a christian concept of stability Mm -hmm. because stability in christ is walking in the center of god's will for your life and there's nowhere safer for you Mm -hmm. there's nowhere where you'll be better funded there's nowhere where your future family is better off or even the people around you and so when sean said seek god's will you know You got to get alone and step aside and let God direct you because you'll never have peace just walking within the American concept of stability. Your peace rules and your provision will always be perfect when you're walking in the Lord.
0: Um, maybe for Sean, James, and maybe Andrew. Um are there any challenges
3: uh, ministering to a people that you are visibly ethnically different from? Someone
2: else? <laughs> Andrew, do you, do you look different than the people? Well, you're doing
5: that's why I'm answering the question. I think I think being an American, uh, you, know, we, we, you know, looking different, being from America is actually, in many uh, contexts, is advantageous.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, uh, you know, when we bring a uh, missions team to Vietnam, I would uh, jokingly say, hey, hey guys, you know, the Americans, that you are for us, you know that, yeah. right? Because yeah. <laughs> English is the carrot, like for Vietnam, and so people want to learn English, uh, still, I mean, not as much as before, maybe in the 80s and 90s, but America is still seen as a place of, you know, the promised land, you know, falling with milk and honey, and so it's actually a positive thing in, in many contexts, and maybe just a few countries like in the middle east maybe not right but majority of countries in the world man it is an advantage just being yourself or this gentleman here i met yesterday he's you're like what six foot five six foot seven six foot seven bro if you come his his dad was saying, "We'll have a circus." I mean, we we'll, <laughs> we we'll <have a> <laughs> <Everybody> also We <laughs> evangelism. I a little, mean, just him being
4: I think a lot of the world too is is so is, is is mixed. You know, culturally, people have moved around. It's not odd to see a white person in Nairobi. It's a very very diverse city. Um, even in, in Pakistan, in the city where I was in, we were the only foreigners in the city. It's the city where Osama bin Laden was killed, so they threw all foreigners out. When we moved there, were, we were the only white people um, or or any anything other than Pakistani. But like, like Andrew was saying, there's pluses and minuses to being an American. Um, people would want to speak to me because I knew English, and it would help. I did you know, the, the dress and the culture, everything is different. I did assimilate culturally, I dressed like them, I, my beard was longer, I, I tried to look more like them. And I could get away with being, most people assumed I was from Northern Pakistan. And so that helped, because uh, then I didn't have to talk about politics. Usually that's what they want to do. But I also found, that, yeah, people in the world know more about American politics yeah, than I do, yeah. people are asking me about my governor. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> I don't want to have this conversation.
3: Yeah, can I add to that a little bit from yeah. a from a person that was trained by a, a foreign? Um, so the most important thing for us is your attitude. You know, because if you if you come to us like uh like the big guy i know it all you're gonna face like a like, mm-hmm. just like hey you're, you're a bunch of ignorance you don't know anything i'm, I'm here to teach
2: you
5: mm-hmm. you're gonna just slam in the culture and and, and you're gonna have a wall so your attitude towards the people that you're reaching me being a, a guy that was trained by a you
3: know, uh
5: american
3: United <laughs> States state citizen <you> know?
5: <laughs> <laughs> um It it makes a huge difference. It makes a
3: huge difference. Um, Once I start meeting more of you guys, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of walls just just fell Mm down.
6: And also, like seeing people willing to learn the language, that's huge. Mm -hmm. You know, like you see that they're trying and trying. It's Mm -hmm. just like you want to help. Like, we're from Costa Rica, so we receive a lot of Americans there. And, And like when you see people, Sincerely trying, it's yeah. just so nice, you know. You can like, know can when it's one fake and
5: what is not, mm-hmm. even
6: when it's the easy language.
0: Yeah. In the vein of uh, not necessarily like you know
3: the looks, but like cultural adaptation.
0: I feel like in sociology classes and stuff, sometimes it, it feels like mysterious. Like what's what's the way to be all things all that? But honestly, so like I. I am Hungarian, so like I'm Hungarian. My wife and my son stay out way more, so really we just gotta watch out for people trying to rip us off. But I was saying because they, they will. I mean everywhere in the world, it's not what culture. They're, they they know you're American, so they assume you have money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the first time I like argued with a taxi driver in Hungarian, I was like, yeah. That was like, <laughs> I was like, well, whatever dude, that's way too much. You're ripping me off. And he's like, all right, all right, get it happen. But um, seriously, like just cultural adaptation for me has been um, just humility. And and awareness. Just look like around you and be like willing to adjust like how, you, how you adjust. It's like not as mysterious as like you know, sometimes it, it seems like it can be. It's like just being humble and, and being aware and like looking around you, They're, they, they you know, I don't have to um, only shop at Tesco or whatever the, the big box store is. Like I can just like go down the street to get to the market to you know what I mean? Because there's like ways to look super American. And it's like like all the graphic tees and stuff that I wear in America, I don't wear those in Hungary because nobody wears like Mm -hmm. shirts with screen printed logos and brands. It's just like, (laughs) and I I just I I can spot an American in Hungary like like from like yeah, yeah. So it's just
6: like awareness and. I'll just share from my perspective, um, for anyone getting involved in ministry, not even having to go to a foreign field, but just ministry in general, or thinking, praying, God's calling you. Um, Don't get discouraged when things look ministry looks different than the way you had anticipated it. Um, You know, I had a much harder time adjusting and transitioning going to a foreign field than Sean did. Um, And it took me a bit longer um, to get there. And I got very discouraged. I can't speak for, other people in this room, but I went through everything from depression to anxiety, to sitting at my kitchen table crying and saying, I don't wanna do this anymore. Um, but I mean, God came through, I mean, God's grace is sufficient. And that's the verses he gave me, Second Corinthians 12, 9, 10, that I pray back to him all the time because it doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. You know, that's not what I thought when I, when I said, yes, I'll go, yes, I'll serve. This isn't what I thought it was gonna be. Um, You know, don't get discouraged when it doesn't look like your idea of what ministry or mission is supposed to look like because, you know, God's ways are better and um, just encourage you, don't don't give up, don't get discouraged or or turn your back because God's got something good in store. I
3: have a question for that. As a mom, how do you handle that when you're going through that struggle?
6: Um, I mean, you just got to cling to the Lord. I mean, I mean, I don't want it to sound like a cliche answer, but I mean, that's, that's what you've got. You know, when we don't have other ministry partners with us in Kenya, it's just us. Um, thankfully, you know, the Lord's really worked in our kids' lives as well, um, that they adapted really well, um, going to Kenya, you know, they've never questioned why we're there. They've never said we don't want to be here. Um, they just, you know, it wholeheartedly and said this is what god wants us to do and that's that's what we're doing um but just you know praying leaning on the lord and just trusting him to to get you through that answers your question
2: i can answer that because i had some of the same feelings and emotions in the roller coaster i love it here and i hate it here i want to be here and i can't wait to leave but i couldn't leave So for
3: for me and my kids were young, but just at, at a certain honesty level, being able to tell them like, yeah, I'm really sad today, and so you can pray for me, like we can pray together, and seeing them go to the Lord on my behalf and working working it together because then they get to praise the Lord also and worship the Lord when God has you know strengthened me and today I'm I'm feeling much better because I'm depending on the Lord and. So you can't share everything with your kids and no matter how old they are, but you can share enough so that it can increase their fate as well. Well that's kind of a follow-up to that too. Um, the marriage aspect of that, from like the, from the man's perspective in that, what what does that look like to Yeah, how do you how do you uh, be the right husband to your wife in those scenarios. That's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very difficult. Um, it if it really hinges on you you maintaining a close walk with God.
0: Um, because I found that the enemy is real subtle and uh, in in ways that maybe in America you may not see.
3: Um, with, uh, or, you know his attacks are you they are, but they come at you in different ways. Um and you have to maintain that really close. So if you're not careful, the ministry can you know can pick off and go and busy and uh, you let it slip. You have, to, you have to be very, very, very young. Um, so you walk about, has to be powerful. You may learn how to um, feed yourself. You learn to prioritize your walk with God and quiet time, and um, so make sure you get through the prayer.
4: I for us the 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 Islamic culture was is oppressive, but especially to women. Uh, so I think there was more pressure on my wife. And, she, and then she started to put even more pressure on herself than, than there needed to be. So, so my mindset was to lighten her load as much as possible. She didn't need to. I, she, I tried to make her understand you don't need all these cultural pressures and whatever. Some random Muslim guy on the street thinks of you is, is not going to impact my ministry. Maybe at the level that uh, certain experts might say right like if she's not wearing if she, if your wife is not wearing a hijab nobody will get saved you know i mean people say things that are insane like that mm-hmm. and, and so i wanted her to know that if you're loving our kids and you're doing a good job in the home and that frees me to put more energy out there so so that was i think one thing practically that we had to do too was that we were intentional about uh, our time together. So we put our kids to bed and we would have a date night, which really meant we just had time together because we couldn't go anywhere. We didn't have a babysitter we trusted. But in the house, we would play games. We've, we built a friendship that was stronger than any uh, other friendship. So we were, we were really good friends. And then we would also tune in to Sam and to Midtown. We would worship together. We would sit at our table we would sing along with the the praise team to just worship and try to make sure that she uh is getting some some feeding outside of just what i was giving her and lastly uh we both had um a key contact back here that we talked to regularly so she would call um mandy kimball was her was her go-to and and eric phillips for me so we would just call these people you know we had a standing once a month, but if it needed to be more frequent, just someone else outside of me that she knew and <laughs> trusted that could feed into that relationship, too, a mom who's, you know, who's been through struggles and has life experience, too. So I tried to make sure she had uh, a counselor, which we couldn't find there, but technology made it easier. Uh, my question is, when you can to a choice
3: of where you're going, because uh, I guess it's like for everyone who's a missionary here. Um, how did you choose the place you're going? Especially like in Africa, we have so many uh, villages or uh, towns. Or how did you choose where you're going?
1: For us, it just started, you know, through our church going on a mission trip to Kenya. I started for selfish reasons. Use that and through. 2007 on, uh, just in the process of seeking Him and growing in Him, that we just became more and more connected with him. So We never prayed God where He want us to go. Uh, God confirmed to us He wanted us involved fully in ministry. Uh, in a, really, the only, the only option was Kenya. kingdom. Uh, so it was just a process for us growing Spiritually in our life, I'm sure other people have different <laughs> answers, but that's not awesome. us. For us, there's never any point that God wrote on the wall says you need to go to Kenya. It's just part of the process of us growing spiritually. So was
3: this place chosen for you, or no, did you choose to land in that area? Like,
1: I mean, I, I literally just signed up to go on the next mission trip in our church. Yeah, I went to the Dominican Republic. Things didn't happen in the DR like it is did Virginia. Yeah, you know, it was just seeking God, so it just happened to be
4: Kenya was where we signed,
3: I signed up to go
4: on that first trip. Similarly to that, yeah, I would say trust the authorities, like like Sean is saying. Like the the places where our church is working, you know, there's, there's natural relationships and. And your pastor will say it and get them involved let them say yes or no i think the, the best thing for us is that we actually didn't make any choices um we got to let just the spirit of god the word of god lead you but then we really were like sam Chris, oh, that's what you think we don't want to make the wrong choice so we just got a lot of people involved in the
3: My voice is gone but um i'm curious if other people had a similar experience to
0: you if because you said like there's no option it was, it was kenya i'm curious if other missionaries here um you know had times where like god where do you want me to go
3: or if it was just very you know um, just poignant that god was like this place i like, think god put that burden on your heart or if you had times before that that god's like for where you were like god where do you want me to go
0: well for me man i so i grew up in new philly ohio a small town and i day, I, I would have never left if god didn't benefit. so like god had me there and i was learning and growing and serving and uh i think it has to become a point to where like if i don't go i'm disobeying god it, you know what i mean it's like and, and i had like a probably an eight-year process of god giving me a burden for hungry and then confirming and growing and it was like a long process it wasn't just like i'm going to sign up for missions and not show me the place it was like i'm going to serve right here and then over time it became more and more apparent it's like if i stay here where i'm comfortable i'm actually i'll
3: i'll
5: mention um just trying to bring balance to the to the question a bit you know as far as a location, I think we know that that is not the, the main thing uh, about missions, it's about obedience to God. You know, with that obedience, man, God can direct that person to anywhere. And sometimes, you know, so we hear different people say different things, like Jeff would say, hey, make sure you're compatible. So Jeff is a thinker, he's he, like, find something that works for you, your gifts that and, and, and whatnot. And, and sometimes it doesn't work that way, right? So I, I speak four languages, and God didn't send me to a country where I already know that four languages. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so convenient, you know, learning the language part and all that. But I you know, happen to go to a country that has one of the most difficult languages in the world, and praise the Lord. And again, uh, the, the other balance is to always follow the structure of About leadership, and so I, I really didn't want to make that decision either. So I come back to Sam and man, so he came with me to to Vietnam. I'm like, hey, this is the field. This is what's happening. And one of the principles that he said was, you know, follow the fruit, right? What what God is doing, what God is doing, and and the fruit was so evident. <coughs> uh, and so we just kept obeying the next step. That was it. Just the next step, just the next step, and even in those next steps, you're like, I don't know, you're counting the cost, you know, and uh, so that, you know, hope that's that's helpful.
4: It's 12.05, so I'm going to say that we got to officially dismiss you, because I know some people need to hit the road and get on their way. Um, so we're gonna let you go. If the missionary doesn't walk out the door right away, you can you can try to ask them more questions. The best thing to do is invite them to lunch. Be like, Andrew, can I buy you a steak? And, then, yes. and then that, You yes, know, you can ask them all the questions you want. Just give Andrew a steak, Just give Sean some good beef. They don't have nice things. Um, so praise the Lord, you guys are dismissed, and yeah. You know.
0: We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.